In our scripture reading then for this morning, we can turn to the gospel according to Luke. We'll be looking at chapter 12 and the first 12 verses, but we'll begin our reading in chapter 11 and verse 37. Luke 11, beginning at verse 37. Luke uh, chapter 11, and beginning at verse 37, hear now the word of the Lord. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean. But your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, it did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. And one of the teachers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things you reproach us also. And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers. For you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of, of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. 
And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This far, our reading for this morning. And dear congregation, today we want to begin looking at chapter 12 of the Gospel according to Luke. And this chapter focuses largely on, on the importance of living with an eternal perspective in everything that we do. Because if we have eternity in view, if we have God constantly in our minds, it will determine how we respond in every situation that we come across in our life. There there are so many obstacles and so many hindrances in this world in the Christian life that would seek to either deviate us or, or hinder us from living as we ought. And, and so just briefly, this over, over the whole chapter of 12, chapter 12, we can write this theme, responding with an eternal perspective in times of opposition or prosperity. It'll be about, there'll be a number of sermons coming out of this chapter, so just over top of them all, we can write as a general theme that responding with an eternal perspective in times of opposition or prosperity. But for today, our focus will be on the first 12 verses. And even this will be split up between this morning and this evening. And as we begin to look at these first 12 verses, we can narrow this theme down. We can ask ourselves this question. Do we look for acceptance on earth? with the people here? Or do we look for acceptance in heaven with God? What is more important to you? What the people think about us in this world here now where we live? Or what God thinks of us? Because that will determine how we respond to the situations that we find ourselves in. And so at the root of that question is, is the question, what do we think of the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is he for us? And of course, in our minds, we know the right answer to, that, to those questions. But 
really what does our heart say? Especially when we find ourselves in those situations, what is the answer that our heart gives? Because one of the challenges that we face in in the prosperous times such as we live now is that we can easily lose sight of the fact that we live in a spiritual warfare. We begin to live so comfortably in this world and, and for the things of this world that we lose sight of eternity itself. But the other challenge is that when we're faced with opposition in this world, we can easily shrink back. We're tempted to, to deny our faith, to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is very difficult to be ridiculed and, and, and mocked and, and shamed in this world. And so the question is, how do we, how do we overcome that? How do we not worry when, when we face such opposition or persecution in this world? In the beginning of chapter 12 here, it says that a, an innumerable multitude of people had, had come together. So much so that they were trampling on each other. And it, and it seems like a lot of people wanted to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But how many of them truly believed in the Lord Jesus? How many truly remained followers of Christ and so if we look back to chapter 9, verse 23 and to 26, shortly before Jesus began this journey toward Jerusalem, he said there in verse 23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of his holy angels. In various places, the Lord Jesus had made clear that, that we must expect forms of persecution and opposition and hatred in this world, just like they hated the Lord Jesus. And Revelation also is clear in saying that, that Satan and all his forces are, are, are set on persecuting the church, making war against all Christians who carry the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then it is very important that for all those who seek to follow the Lord Jesus in this life, it requires that we view everything with an eternal perspective. That we keep eternity in mind. Whether it is in times of prosperity or poverty. Whether it is in times of ease or, or opposition. And that's also what we read in, in Hebrews, isn't it? That they all had faith in the promises of God. They confessed that they were... Nothing else but strangers and pilgrims here on this earth. And they had died in faith because they were seeking a better country, a better hope. Even though it says they all could have turned back to this world to, to make it life a little easier for them temporarily. But they desired a better country. They desired an eternal home. And they sought acceptance with God rather than acceptance on this earth. And so that's why this question comes to us. Do we seek acceptance in this world 
or with God in heaven. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ is preparing his disciples for the opposition that they would face as they traveled through this world, as they ministered, especially from the religious leaders of their nation. They'd face various threats such as beatings and imprisonments and and even death. And so it's inevitable that all Christians and we as well will be confronted with certain attacks against our faith, either at home or in church or in our nation and from our government. And specifically for our time, we see Bill C-4 and the implications that that will have for Christians. So how does Jesus prepare us for that? How are we to respond? Because how we respond in those situations also reveals a lot about what is in our hearts. And so as we look at, begin looking at chapter 12 here, in these first 12 verses, Jesus gives us five directives of how we are to respond. And he gives us both warnings and encouragements. And we wish to consider the first two here this morning. It was too much to put into one sermon, so I made two for today. Uh, Let's look at the first two this morning and three this afternoon. And so our theme then is responding faithfully to opposition. And in the first place, we can see we are to sincerely obey God who is the searcher of your hearts. Sincerely obey God who is the searcher of your heart. In verse 1, we see the Lord Jesus speaking directly to his disciples. He's speaking in the audience of this large crowd that's, that's trampling on each other, but it's, it's specifically a message to his disciples, and so it is a message to all believers. And he says there, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, at the end of verse 1. It's as if Jesus is saying here, Remember God, who is the searcher of your hearts, who knows the very thoughts and intents of your hearts. He knows who you are, and he also knows who the, the, your enemies are. He knows those who oppose you. But he warns us, and he says, Be alert. Be on guard for hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is, is, is dishonesty, it's deception or insincerity. And really it's, it's lying about who we really are. It's pretending to be someone who we are not. If you look at the Pharisees, they acted very religious and very pious. But they have never dealt with their sins. They they sincerely thought that they were right and that they were going to heaven and that they were right with God, and but yet they have never dealt with the problem of sin in their hearts. And so he calls them hypocrites because they're making the outside clean while the inside is still filthy with sin. And so Jesus here, he speaks out boldly and publicly against false teachers and false doctrines. And, and he points at the Pharisees specifically because in verse, or chapter 11, verse 54, the last verse there, it says that they were lying in wait for him, to catch him. It's like, it's like they're lions 
lying in the grass waiting for their prey to come by. And that's how the Pharisees were waiting to pounce on the Lord Jesus, looking for something to accuse him. Because when the Lord Jesus spoke, he, he convicted them of their sins. He pointed out what was missing and what was wrong in their hearts. But Mark, in his gospel, he also points out not only the leaven of the Pharisees, but also the leaven of Herod, of the political leaders. Because he also was deceitful in trying to get as many people to follow him. And we can see that even in our own nation where the leaders often are deceitful and and wicked and trying to hold on on to power. They try to do anything to get as many people as they can to support them. And so he says we must beware of hypocrisy both in the government and in religious leaders. But here the Lord Jesus is speaking specifically to the disciples and he warns them of being infected themselves with the leaven or the yeast of hypocrisy. And he's saying begin in your own heart. Because Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who really knows what lives in our hearts and of the wickedness that, that wells up in our hearts? And these, these sins are, are naturally ingrained deeply in our hearts and we cannot see them. But if it's not removed, it'll spread like yeast does in a loaf of bread. It'll contaminate our whole character, our whole conduct. And everything we will do will be tainted with hypocrisy. And so it needs to be removed. Otherwise, we will deceive others and will deceive ourselves. And hypocrisy in our hearts will determine how we respond in these situations. It will cause us to lie to ourselves and to others. We try to make other people think highly of us. Or to make people think a certain way of us. In church, we can, we can come and we can be very formal and religious. And you know, just like the Pharisees. And, and yet, there may not be a true faith in our heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we only try to make other people think that we are following the Lord Jesus when in our hearts we are not. We might even attend the Lord's Supper or be part of the action, the functions of the church. But the question is, where is our heart? Where is the love of our heart to God? Because here the Lord Jesus is pointing out that hypocrisy will not remain hidden. And it is in times like this that the Lord Jesus is speaking of, especially in times of persecution. It is a fear of persecution that causes the, pers- that the hypocrisy to come out of our hearts. Fear of ridicule, fear of prison, fear of death can prevent us from speaking out against error and against sin. We know that we will do almost anything to protect and preserve our life and our reputation or our wealth or our ease or our standard of living. And hypocrisy comes out because of the fear of man, fear of what people would say or do to us. Are we afraid to pray in public, to confess that we are praying to a living God? Are we afraid to speak to others about the Lord Jesus? It is a fear that we have to overcome. It's, it's, 
It's an, we're naturally afraid of these kind of things. And Peter experienced this as well. Peter, who denied knowing his master, the Lord Jesus, even to a little maid that night of his betrayal, because he was afraid of what the people might do to him. And even later in Galatians 2, verse 12, Peter was eating with the Gentile Christians, and then the Jewish Christians came. And it says in Galatians 2 that Peter withdrew himself, and he separated himself, fearing those who have the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy. So there they were acting hypocritically because of fear of man. And that's when Paul withstood, he, he, stood in, he, he confronted Peter and rebuked him and defended the gospel of Christ. And so we need to realize, Christians, that the world is watching you. There are those who are looking for any and every opportunity they'd have to pounce on you, to accuse you of wrongdoing. And often it will have to do with, with man-made laws. And today we have to face such things as the world views of, of tolerance or, or the dis- distorted view of, of love, their acceptance of, of homosexuality as normal or gender fluidity or their beliefs of evolution. But there's even so many or so-called Christians or evangelical leaders who will accuse other faithful Christians who uphold the biblical definition of male and female and marriage between one man and one woman and who uphold a six-day creation as it is written in Genesis. And the time will come when we have to face opposition because of Bill C-4. And the question is then for us, when we are faced with those things, Who do we want to find acceptance from? From the people or from God? And so Jesus says, beware of hypocrisy. Beware of being deceived by false teaching. Beware of being pressured. Beware that you do not compromise. Beware that you do not give in just to keep peace so that you can continue living your life of ease and and prosperity. And the reason that Jesus gives us here is in verse 2. It says, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. God says in Jeremiah 17, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. All hypocrisy will be revealed sooner or later. It will be uncovered, and the truth will be proclaimed. For some of them, for some people, it's in this world. For some, it's at the judgment day. But God says in Numbers 32, Be sure and know that your sin will find you out. All sin, all lying, all hypocrisy cannot and will not remain hidden. Not in your heart, not in the world, but the truth cannot remain silent. In verse 3, he says, he says that whatever you thought in, in, in deep secret, that you, that you spoke, that you thought was a deep secret, that you spoke in the dark, will be heard and exposed in the light. What you whispered in someone's ear, in what you thought was the most secure or secret room, 
It will be, it will be broadcast for the world to hear. Simple examples of this is when scandals come out, even in religious or political leaders, when they did something in secret, and now the whole world knows of their sin. But Jesus has come into this world as a light of truth to shine in the darkness of this world. And he's come to bring that truth to our hearts. That's where it needs to go. An external covering like the Pharisees were holding on to will not stand up. It has no value for eternity. And so Jesus says, beware of hypocrisy. Are you real in your heart? Are you sincere before the God who searches your heart? And so when you face oppositions in this world... How do you respond? Do we respond in a way so we can be accepted in this world, to be tolerated in this world that is filled with hypocrisy? Or do we try to justify our actions, whether it is in church or whether it's in the world? As Jesus says in Luke sixteen fifteen, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's why Peter instructs us in 1 Peter 2, verse 1. He says, all Christians must lay aside all malice, all deceit, and all hypocrisy. And instead of that, it needs to be replaced with the desire for the pure and the sincere word of God. What do we find in our hearts? Do we find that not only in our mind, but in the depth of our heart, we want and desire that acceptance with God, that we want the truth of God, that we want God to search our hearts, to see if there be a wicked way in us. And we pray, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. Because we need to be honest with ourselves. We're naturally afraid of all opposition. We're naturally afraid of of people who oppose us and of suffering. How will I respond? I read read to my children a little story of a 15-year-old boy who was martyred for his faith in a couple hundred years after the Lord. And he had these questions. Will I be able to stand when they try to force me to bow to the idols? Will I be able to stand and confess Christ when they torture me? Will I be able to confess my Savior when they are going to put me to death? Will we remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ when they haul us before the courts or when they mock us or yell at us in the streets because they think we have a narrow view in this world? And that can worry us. How will we stand? It's a real and a genuine fear. It's a real concern because we are weak in the flesh. But we know that if we confess our faults, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That if we lay our needs and our concerns before God, He knows your heart. And He knows the hearts of those who persecute and oppress you. 
He knows your doubts. He knows your fears. He knows your desires. And if it's His work in your heart, He knows what He has begun. And that work that He has begun, He will not forsake. Because in verse 11 it says, When they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, it's a very real possibility that people will be hauled before the judges and before kings for believing in God. But we must commit it to God who is a searcher of our hearts and their hearts. And that brings us then secondly to the Lord's second directive here where he says, reverently fear God as your ultimate judge. Reverently fear God as your ultimate judge. We need to have that eternal perspective when we are faced with opposition. Because here that question again comes into play. Do we want to find acceptance in this world or with earthly judges or with God in heaven? And when you stand before the judges in our courts like Peter and John did in Acts 4, how will you respond? Well, Jesus says here in verse 4, and he encourages you, and he says, My friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Hypocrites are continually killing faithful Christians. The Lord Jesus here, he was saying to the Pharisees, You've done it since Abel. They've, they've done it to the prophets in the Old Testament. They've done it to the apostles in the New Testament. They did it to the Lord Himself. They did it to the saints and the martyrs throughout history. But God says, be strong and of a good courage. And even calls them friends. Friends who participate in the same things. Friends who will be treated the same way as the Lord Jesus. And He, he forbids you to be afraid of those who kill the body. And that's because it's all they can do. After they kill the body, there's nothing left that they can do. They are so limited. They can only kill the body. And that sounds like a light thing to say. Because all that we ever know is life here in this world. And how can we then so easily be, say, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Well, these words here, Jesus is forbidding us to be afraid because this is all that they can do. And that means then that there's something greater behind it. And that is the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ himself died but rose again from the dead. That Satan and all his forces put Christ on the cross and he died, but then that's all that they could do. The Lord Jesus Christ, He disarmed Satan. He took away His most powerful weapon of death and rendered it useless because Christ rose from the dead. Death could no longer hold Him. And Satan can do nothing more. This is all that they can do. And for the Christian, when, when, when they are put to death, all they are doing is ending all your sorrow and all your pains. They're ending all your sin and your shame. They're taking you out of your miseries and your fears. And they're delivering you into the presence and the glory of God. And there there is peace. And there there is eternal life with God forever for His children. 
And so how can God forbid us to be afraid of those who try to kill us while we're still on this earth? He does that by warning us that God is your ultimate judge. Because if we're afraid of what earthly judges can do, we lose sight of our eternal heavenly judge. Out of fear of the flesh, we will try to find acceptance with the earthly judges or earthly persecutors, and we will compromise the truth and we would sin against God. We can think also, for example, of our own hearts and our own lives. How often do we have sin in our hearts, even as believers or unbelievers, certainly hiding sins in the hearts, worried that somebody might find out what lives in our hearts or what we have done or what we are doing. We're worried about what other people think. But do we realize that God already knows? That even before you committed those sins, God knows the thoughts of your hearts. And that's why Jesus says in verse 5, But I will show you whom you should fear. He says, I will forewarn you who you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. And that command to fear God is repeated here twice for emphasis. It's Christ who has the keys of hell and of death. We are to fear God because He is the one who can give life from the death. He is the one who can raise us from death to new life in eternity. And that's why the Lord Jesus also started by saying, Beware of hypocrisy. Because those who deny Him, He has the final authority to say, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And he can cast you with both body and soul into eternal torments of hell. The the earthly judges might be corrupt, but they have nothing more that they can do than, than what they are permitted by God. Human judges make mistakes, and, and sometimes it changes sentence based on changing evidence. But God never makes any mistakes. We can be delivered from human judges, even from hypocritical or sinful ones, either through appeals or or, or through, through, even through death itself. But from the heavenly judge, there is no escape. Because if our hearts are not right with God, it does not matter what favor we found on this earth. But when you stand before the judge of heaven and earth, the, the truth will be heard. The truth that was in our hearts, all the sins that we have hidden, all the lies that we have tried to cover up, will be uncovered for all the world to see. And so Jesus says the only remedy to fear of man and persecution on this earth is to reverently fear God as your ultimate judge. And when the fear of God is great in your heart, then the fear of man will be small. Because your hope and your desire, children, is that you will be able to stand before the judgment seat of God and of Christ, who is a judge of all the earth. And he's a judge who will do right. And he's a judge who alone can deliver your soul from hell.
And so to find acceptance with God rather than man, you need that truth in your heart, knowing that He is the searcher of your hearts and of the intents of your heart. And that means we must repent of all sin that lives in our hearts. That if God shows us, can convict us that we are doing something contrary to His commandments, do not cover it up. Do not continue living this way. Do not cover it up with hypocrisy, but confess your sins. And we'll see further this afternoon why that is so important. And then alone, with the truth in Christ Jesus, with the forgiveness that is in Christ, with God, then alone you can stand before the judge of heaven and earth to be forgiven, to have peace and acceptance with Him. And then, when you have peace with God through Jesus Christ, when you know that there is acceptance with the judge of heaven and earth, then you can stand before any earthly judge without fear even if they bring you to the courts, or even if they sentence you to death. Fear may still arise, but God overcomes that fear. Because it is with that confidence that Peter and John stood before the council in Acts 4.19, and they could say, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Dear congregation, what you think about yourself and what you think about Christ will determine how you respond in times of opposition. Will you fear what man can do to you? Will you allow the sin of hypocrisy to change how you respond? Or will you hold before you the judge of heaven and earth, the searcher of your heart and my heart, and trust in him alone? Jesus tells us here, do not be afraid, but fear God. He's the one who holds your soul in life. He's the one who holds your eternal destiny in his hands. And he knows what we will have to endure in this life. We don't. We don't know what the years ahead of us will hold. But do remember the many faithful Christians who loved God more than their own life, who committed their life and soul to God, who has the keys of hell and of death. And this afternoon we will continue and see the rest of these verses, how the Lord Jesus seeks to encourage his disciples as they prepare to walk and to minister in this world. Amen.